Hello, classmates. Welcome to another episode of Middle Class Film Class, Gab and Chatter Edition for Saturday, October 9th, 2021. I'm your host for today, Tyler. I'm Peter. I'm Javier. On this episode, fan emails galore featuring thoughts on Antichrist and Pinhead is a woman? Matrix 4 and Venom 2 crossover episode, George Clooney's shame, and yet another paranormal activity movie. I'm so happy to be here, fellas. Oh, I am too. It's always a delight. And Javier is with us again on uh, this episode. Uh, who knows where Joseph's at? He's uh, still fighting those fires. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Okay. Well, I, I, I have no idea where he's at. Like he's, he's been, he's gone, uh, he's gone rogue. <laughs> he's gone rogue. How are you feeling, new Joseph? Uh, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Okay. I've, I've kind of, I'm getting used to this spot. <laughs> that's right. I've already brought my dog over, so that's how, I know. I'm, that's how you know I'm getting comfortable. <laughs> I know we have uh, Javier's dog is at his feet, loyal as ever. Look at him, just like yeah. looking at me. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's a he's a he's a very beautiful dog. Now, but, Joseph, Joseph, Joseph actually came back in from his uh, his journey to meet his uh, new family in North Carolina and uh, walked right into his five year anniversary with his ex girlfriend slash wife, <laughs> Deanna, the lovely Deanna. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't I don't know what they're up to. So whatever kids do nowadays on their yeah. anniversary. Yeah, who knows? I mean, I, what's an anniversary really? I know. Well, anyway, celebration of a relationship every year, you know. Oh, I I would have no <laughs> idea what that would mean. But anyways, we've got a lot to get to on this uh, first half of uh, season two, episode three of Middle Class Film Class. So uh, let's uh, get on with it. Find some charity, lad. Now's the time for Gab and Chatter. All right, Pete, what do you got for us? Um, I wanted to read a couple of news, or not news stories, uh, fan emails. Um, Ooh. New, yeah, new new uh, first-time writers into the show. Whoa. Um, these are a couple of fellas that I, I'm friends with online in an, a different uh, movie group that I'm in called the Cinematics Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> it's kind of like a catch-all for like movie fans centering around Find Your Film and the Cinematics Podcast universe. It's a, it's a real fun time. And if you ever, if you're listening to this and you want to jump in and some, with some film aficionados and chat it up all day, every day. <laughs> it is a fun group to be a part of. Yeah, it's of. cool. It's fun times. So Kenneth Cunningham wrote in and uh, he wrote <laughs> uh, thoughts on Antichrist. Okay. So I'm going to read that email now. This is not the first Lars von Trier movie I've seen. So I came in expecting a few things and I got them. It was beautiful, thought provoking, and of course, deeply disturbing. <laughs> Unlike some of his later films, I feel like Antichrist is 100% authentic, and he didn't make this one to get headlines and piss people off. So, uh, I dig that. I think it's good. Try harder, Von Trier. <laughs> I, I, I would disagree with that based on the scenes that we've seen in that movie. That That's not creating headlines? The piss, the piss people off part? I, I don't know if it's pissing people off more so. I feel uh, like the genital, genital mutilation was enough to piss me off. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say pissed off, just more just like, what what, what did this add to the movie other than uh, dis- the disturbing, shocking factor? Did you watch Did you watch the movie, Javi? For the- Fuck no. You didn't? Really? <laughs> no, hell no. Uh-uh. <laughs> no um, Joseph and um, my other co-worker slash roommate, Camille, described the mutilation scenes, and I was like, I'm, I'm good. This I'm- movie is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> jo- Joseph didn't seem to like it. And awful, and I hate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's an experience. It's kind of like um, running a tough mutter. You know, you're not going to really have that much fun <laughs> doing it. But then when you when you're done, you're like, you know what? I did it. <laughs> I I did I did a tough mutter. One of my friends broke their leg, so I'm good. Holy shit! Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did he drink his milk? Well, <laughs> no, no, it was um. No, it was actually malk. <laughs> Goddamn malk. <laughs> it, it was like on, on the slide they were sliding down and they didn't realize how shallow the pool was and oh. totally like <sighs> broke their ankle. That sounds like yeah, a everyone lot told them like, ah, you're fine. You can move your toes. You're fine. That's but, a big no. oof. Yeah. yeah. Is it, is it, you did, so you did one? I, I mean, I stopped at that point. Oh, you? <laughs> yeah. God, come on. That was, that was Antichrist. I saw someone else's suffering and said, <laughs> no, thank you. That's funny. I got a, I got a Spartan race I'm running in a month from now. No, I'm, not, I'm not ready at all. I have, oh, I have tennis elbow. I'm becoming an old man. <laughs> oh, that rope crawling. He's, he's, he's going to power walk through it. <laughs> it's right. Um, so that was uh, that was from Ken Cunningham. Thanks, Ken. I appreciate it. Um, a lot of lot of div- divisive 
thoughts on Antichrist. And sure. it's like, I know listener Chris is the one that recommended it. And he's like, it's a, it's a, like a, a test the waters. What I don't remember what he said exactly, but it's like a test, testing the waters of your friendship. <laughs> if you're, if you can stand it or you're into it, then you're my type of guy, that sort of thing. I don't know how I feel about that, but, mm. <laughs> uh, and then the next email is from Joe, uh, Joseph Bridges, uh, another, another listener from the uh, cinematics page. Um, Joseph writes this. This is a fan list suggestion, so we'll add, we'll add that to the list. Okay. Hello, I recently started listening to your podcast, and I would like to recommend my personal favorite movie, Babette's Feast. It's an 80s Danish period piece set in the 1800s. Yes, that sounds like the most boring movie of all time, but I think it will resonate with any film lover because it's about how we, we how life-fulfilling it can be to share your art and love in the process of art, which you guys are doing with your podcast. Thank you, Joe. Okay. It also probably is the best food film of all time. Mm. Uh, I know not everyone is a foodie like me, but just the process of the entire meal in the film was fascinating. Thanks, Joseph Bridges. Uh, Babbitt's Feast has been on my list for quite some time. So um, now I don't have to watch it on my own accord. I get forced to watch it, which I can't <laughs> wait. It's like, it's one of those ones that you see in like top 10 movie lists all the time. Oh, really? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. And it's, I don't the, think I've ever heard of it yeah, before. This is my first time hearing it too. Really? Yeah. It's, I think the, I think the idea is it's, I don't, I can't remember if it's, if it's, this is the one, but there's like a, it's like a nun or something that's cooking a meal for everybody. I'm not sure. I'm probably putting my foot in my mouth right now. Mm. But um, I, an- another great food movie that I watched last, this, this year, I think it was this year, was called Big Night. Stanley Tucci's early movie. Oh, yes. Uh, Monk. What's his yeah, name? Yeah, Tony Shalhoub. Yes. Uh, Stanley Tucci and Shalhoub are like brothers, and they're immigrants in like Long Beach or something, and they have a authentic Italian restaurant, and they're just trying to be authentic to themselves and, and make it and stuff, and they some celebrity or something is going to come to the restaurant, so they're going to have one big night and make every every fancy dish they got, and it's like dish after dish after dish after dish after dish, and it's so cool to watch. And it makes you, makes you hungry. All so, right. Babbitt's Feast. Can't wait for that one. Thanks, Joe. Um, so those are our, our listener emails that we had. If you want to add a uh, movie to the listener list or just chime in on something that we've read, uh, reviewed recently or what you watched streaming this week that you liked, whatever it is, send us an email, mcfcpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and I had one new story, which is germane to our episode this week. Um, the new Hellraiser movie is is upon us it's almost coming tyler how do you feel about that uh cautiously optimistic but i mean that's how i felt about the new halloween reboot and i was thoroughly disappointed (laughs) so i'm just (laughs) like well we have halloween kills coming out reboot yep and the uh, new hellraiser reboot Mm -hmm. i guess it's a reboot i don't know who knows like Um, a remake i would say a remake okay imdb said it was a reboot Oh, but what do they know? I know. <laughs> what do they know? I know. Um, so, but the the interesting thing, the point of this that I'm bringing up is that there's a that the casting choice for Pinhead has been released, and it's a lady mm. named Jamie Clayton, um, who's the Jamie Clayton, the Jamie Clayton from Sense Eight. <laughs> okay, and the like the L word. Uh, yeah, she's got a kind of a, a small uh, list, but I don't know. Um, I don't know much about her, but. I think that she's part of the LGBTQ community. I think that she's a trans woman um, from what I've, articles that I've read. And I mm. think a lot of people are like up in arms about it for two reasons. One, because of um, the LGBT rep- representation in Hollywood and some people for whatever f- fucking reason are up in arms about that, which is weird. Yeah, that's um, a little weird. I know. I don't, I don't get it. Um, but the other reason is that they're like, Pinhead can't be a woman. Like why not? It, 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 that it, it's a demon. I know it's a it's a it's <laughs> to a, some a de- <laughs> to demon some to angels to others. Oh man, <laughs> you're speaking my language, obviously. So, uh, but the, I wanted to read. There's a the, the actual Hellraiser series, and we'll get into it a little bit later once we actually review the episode later this week. Yeah, um, but it was came comes from a, a, a novella um, written by Clive Barker called The Hellbound Heart. From 1976, or mm-hmm. 19, sorry, 1976, 1986, the year before uh, Hellraiser the movie is released. And uh, Pinhead is described as, the official title is The Hell Priest. And it's, he he or she is described as an androgynous, feminine-looking figure with a whispery female voice. 
So it's not that far off. So it's pretty true to the novel then. Yes. And they fucked it up in the movie. Well, I wouldn't say <laughs> that, but I, one I, of the most iconic monsters or villains in any movie. Yeah, yeah. Sci, sci, sci-fi horror movie that is. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic. I will watch it. If they, I actually, after watching Hellraiser for the umpteenth time for yeah. uh, this episode, I uh, was thinking, I, I need to read the book now. I think, yeah, that's what I was thinking as I was reading. I read a lot about the lore of the series and the Cenobites mm-hmm. and where they came from and stuff because they're just so interesting. Yeah. And I was like, oh, there's a novella. There's a whole series. Tyler would like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Christmas is around the corner, buddy. <laughs> Maybe Santa will get it for you. Um, that's all I got. Uh, Javier, do you have something for us? Yeah. So um, Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage, which is already out. Um, have any of you guys seen that one yet? Mm-mm. I didn't see the no. first one. I didn't see the first one. Have you seen the first one, Tyler? No, no, I'm not interested. Yeah, so um, I haven't seen it, but it takes place in San Francisco, the first and second one. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so they were filming in San Francisco, which is super awesome. I love it when they are at this really well-known city and mm-hmm. they're actually filming there. I know oftentimes they'll just be in L.A. Well, we're in Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's in Canada. It's uh, Calgary, Alberta. Yeah, so... <laughs> Uh, they actually shot in San Francisco, um, but there was another production happening at the exact same time. That was for The Matrix 4. Ooh. So the location manager went on Screen Rant, and they did an exclusive interview, mm-hmm. and he said there were a lot of issues. So there would be a lot of instances <laughs> where they would want to film uh, at a certain spot, mm-hmm. but because of The Matrix 4 was already there, and they were there first, they were like, there's nothing we can do. Uh, specifically, you, you go over there and tell the Wachowskis they got to go. Yeah. Oh, this one's just the one. Oh, the Wachowski. Yeah. Lana. <laughs> yeah, Lana. Um, like specifically, there was one scene that they wanted to film downtown San Francisco, but because the Matrix was there, they had to relocate to uh, like on top of a garage, parking mm-hmm. garage. Mm-hmm. Um, but specifically, the, there was a scene in Venom Two where they have a shot of the production of the Matrix of them <laughs> filming the Matrix. What? Yeah. <laughs> So not too good, man. <laughs> so, the, uh, I guess light spoiler: there's a scene where um, Eddie Brock and Venom are escaping the police, and they're mm-hmm. at the iconic um, Coit Tower. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and they were filming the Matrix Four there. And they can you see the the camera crew and stuff? So, so what it is is there was a helicopter that was filming the scene, and huh. so they got that shot. And so they're making oh it look god. as if that helicopter's looking for Eddie and Venom. Oh my god! Oh no shit! Are you serious? That's pretty good. <laughs> I that's kind of clever, actually. I, I, I super love it. Like it, that's clever. It feels a little like gorilla in their yeah. filmmaking, yeah. and they're totally taking advantage of a situation. It reminds me of Super Eight. Yeah. When uh, the kid sees the uh, the, the train, train. yeah, he's mm-hmm. like production value. Like oh, let's I roll. <laughs> um, I love that movie. Yeah, that's that's that news story. That, so that's we, really funny. That kind of I, when you, I I heard the headline that you sent me, I thought you were, they were going to say like they used the CGI from the Matrix and just like reskinned it as Venom. That's what I thought when like, I read the headline yeah. as well. Like yeah. they were like they did the old school Disney thing where they just have the Jungle Book is the same as the I don't know. Oh, like the animation. The animation. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. They just overlay the cell or something. Yes. Yeah, that's kind. Of, that's that's pretty interesting. That uh, is, it, I have to imagine too, like the production company or not production company, but the crew of Venom and the crew for Matrix Four, like they had like this rivalry, rivalry, rival. One more time, rivalry. Hey, there you go. Right. Sorry, I'm not. I'm not really good at speaking the English language. I, I, I don't speak good at English, but I would like to think like they were like butting heads, like they would. Like it's like a West Side Story, where oh. <laughs> like you they're have, snapping. Yeah, <laughs> they're coming on the other production studios, like they're intruding on their turf. Yeah, and and uh, the Matrix Four uh, crew is just like yeah. Oh, what, Venom Two. No one's gonna see Venom Two. Everyone's waiting for the Matrix Four. Get out of here. No, that's right. Yeah, the, and they all had like uh, varsity jackets yeah, and stuff like you. that. <laughs> the location manager for um, Venom was very clear that like the matrix four basically took over San Francisco. So they were really limited. Um, It's kind of weird. I mean, there's not, I mean, it's not like it's unheard of to film in San Francisco, but it's definitely not the city that gets filmed in quite a bit. So it's weird. There's two 
pretty big name production companies all at the same time at the same yeah. place, yeah. both trying to use Coit Tower. I got to yeah. imagine that there's probably probably some sort of like deal being cut between uh, the city of San Francisco and film production crews now because uh, since COVID happened, a lot of people have been moving out of the city because of mm. how so goddamn expensive it is. So the city is like, okay, well, we need to like start getting like some revenue back mm-hmm. I- into the city now. And um, I can imagine like it's probably going to be more alluring as uh, time goes on for uh, production companies to go into San Francisco because I mean, like I've walked the streets of San Francisco. I've rode, I've rode, ridden my goddamn bike there before, and uh, it's it's uh, it's it's a really good city for. Uh, it's got like, a lot of character to it. I mean, like urban, like urban shots and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. has a lot, a lot of character into that city. So it's yeah. I I, I like seeing it when I didn't think I was gonna like the last uh, black man in San Francisco as much as I did, and oh, I think I think a big part of it was. I mean, it was a great movie, but I think a big part of it was the setting and just seeing yes, seeing the city in that light was very cool. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we get to see Venom, Tom Hardy running around, and who's the other guy that plays? Oh, Woody Harrelson is Carnage. Oh, that's right. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know. I just I, I I think I'll have to watch the movies just to like see the appeal because a lot of people really enjoyed it, and I keep uh, I keep telling myself that I'm just gonna watch it for the appeal, but then I'm like. But then I wouldn't be able to see like the other things on my list, like Raw, but, <laughs> or, yeah. or Dancer in the Dark. I don't know. I just I feel like Tom Hardy's uh, accent as uh, what who is his name? Eric Eddie Brock. Uh, Eddie Brock. Like it, it's so strange. Like wh- wh- where did that? Listen, accent- buddy, I'm from New York. <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird weird accent he has. It does. Like you. I mean, you've heard of it, right? I've uh, seen, and, yeah, and, I've seen it. it I mean, it's I've so heard clips. I mean, like, I, I'm sure there's probably context mm-hmm. to it in the film itself, but, like... Yeah, I think he's American in the movie. It just... <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's a good good story, Javi. I like yeah. that one. Tyler, what do you have? Okay, I'm so... Sorry, I don't know why I'm, like, for, forcing this long as your episode, Tyler. I'm going to put the reins on myself. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it, it's yeah, totally you. fine. <laughs> Look, I'm just the straw that stirs the drink. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so... Uh, Paranormal Activity. You guys remember that uh, I liked famous it. movie? I liked it. I know you don't like it, but I like it. What are you talking about? I liked. I liked the first one. I mean, they had. Did you know they had like eight other Paranormal Activity movies? Uh, five. I think it's five. Oh. Oh well, well maybe I. They really. It. They yeah. really went off the fucking deep end near the end. Yeah. This yeah, is this, the new one. Is the seventh one in the installment? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Okay. So yeah. So like six of them, and then now this is the seventh one. This is called Paranormal Activity: Next of Kin. Mm-hmm. So essentially, uh, it's about a documentary crew uh, who goes out to Amish country to meet uh, one of the crew members' uh, birth-related family Mm. because i guess she was like adopted or something she finds out that you know uh she was adopted and so she finds her biological she finds her biological uh, family one of the crew members yeah of like of like of a documentary crew yeah it's kind of like uh the the blair witch project when uh the girl well not kind of but like how it's centric to the main lead of the documentary crew Mm -hmm. so they go into amish country and then you know stuff happens and uh, I watched the trailer and like I had to turn it off halfway because it just looks god awful. And I'm and I'm just thinking, do we like how about don't attach paranormal activities name to it? Just like make your own thing. Like I've always said that just if you're going to have like this original idea, why not just make it a new franchise rather i know i get it it's name recognition but like how much name recognition is going to uh you know paranormal activity is going to garnish because yeah well yeah i mean if this wasn't paranormal activity we wouldn't be talking about it that's That's true true too that is true well yeah yeah, i've been (laughs) bitten by my own (laughs) by my own snake (laughs) uh this is going to be a paramount plus exclusive Mm -hmm. from my understanding which i'm not really happy about three people in the world are cheering (laughs) yeah (laughs) and Uh, jim paramount's mom subscribes that's it (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, so uh, that's uh, I get, that's one of my news stories. I I thought it was I the only reason why it's one of my news stories is because of how surprising it was to see Paranormal Activity back into the news cycle again. Because I mm-hmm. thought it was kind of dead. I, I don't know. I think it's gonna it's gonna be one of those ones they just milk to death for yeah. forever. I mean, I I I am curious to see it though. I, then it worked. Are you, are you gonna watch it? Well, that's the thing is like. I don't want to subscribe to Paramount Plus to see it. So, and I don't think you're going to find anyone who has the login <laughs> information. Know, not, exactly, not in this zip code. <laughs> so maybe once it comes out on YouTube, I'll rent it. There you go. But uh, my second news story is it's kind of a funny one. So uh, George Clooney refuses to show Batman and Robin to his wife, and he quotes saying, "I want her to have respect for me." <laughs> So the context of this is that I guess there's a new movie coming out that has Batman in it uh, called The Flash, which I'm assuming is going to involve uh, the superhero, The Flash. <laughs> I would hope so. And It'd be weird that they uh, titled the DC Universe movie The Flash and, it, and he's not in it. And, yeah. Ver- and Variety asked uh, George Clooney uh, on the red carpet of his new film that he's directing. Uh, so you heard of The Flash? And there's going to be Batman in it. Did they uh, did they ask you to reprise uh, the role of Batman? And he says, they didn't ask me. When you destroy a franchise the way I did, usually they look the other way when the Flash comes by. <laughs> and who did, who did more irreparable damage to the Batman franchise? Uh, Val Kilmer or George Clooney? George Clooney. George Clooney, for so? sure. Yeah. For sure. What's wrong with Clooney? Uh, <laughs> just because he just wasn't that great in it. I, I would ha- like... Because he was George Clooney? I think just playing himself. Yeah, yeah, essentially. And then he goes on to say, there are certain films I just go, I want my wife to have some respect for me. <laughs> and I can imagine just like in the household, like he like he has like a strict strict list of rules of movies that she's not allowed to watch. Otherwise, she's, so only, he's, she's only allowed to watch um, Up in the Air and uh, <laughs> and The Descendants. That's it. Um. The film's performance taught him a valuable lesson about accepting roles for the remainder of his career. He goes on in quotes saying, I understood for the first time because quite honestly, when I got Batman and Robin, I was just an actor getting an acting job and I was excited to play Batman. What I realized after that was that I was going to be held responsible for the movie itself, not just by not just my performance or what I was doing. So I knew I needed to focus on better scripts. The scripts was the most important thing can't make a good film out of a bad script it's impossible you can make a bad film out of a good script so essentially he's very much ashamed and he goes on to say that he has a picture of himself of batman in his office as a constant reminder i like i like how he's he basically tells her that she's not allowed to use a tv like this is the 1930s yeah otherwise he'll he'll give uh, an irish an irish kiss (laughs) You know, I would be intimidated too if I was married to um her. Her name is um well Amal Amal Clooney now. Oh yeah, Amal Clooney. She's like he, a human rights activist. Yeah, lawyer. it used to be uh, Amal Alamadin, and she's uh she's Oxford. She went to Oxford College. She also went to NYU. She's a, a barrister in the United Kingdom and specializing in international law and human rights. Her clients include Nobel Rights Laureate or Nobel Prize Laureate Maria Ressa and Julian Assange. Julian Assange. Yeah, what? founder founder of WikiLeaks. Wow. He, she was helping in the fight to uh, against his extradition. Like that's big shoes to fill for the guy that was in Men Who Stare at Goats. You know, <laughs> she, she's got she's got a pedigree, and he's like, I was Batman. Please don't ever watch that. Yeah, uh, I, I couldn't imagine being married to George Clooney. It's probably very intimidating. I I would imagine Wait, like she's intimidated. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I I think I think she's very. It's okay. It, it, if you're listening to this podcast, you have a safe place at uh, <laughs> Peter's uh, Palace. You can yeah. come, come through. Are you talking I, directly to a mall right now? That's right. Is this confirmed right. that she's a listener? I, I I believe she is. Yeah. And is then it? one more thing, just okay, one, just just one more thing, just very quickly. Uh, so I was thinking about this uh, a couple of nights ago. I was sitting on my porch, and I have a question for both of you. Mm-hmm. So, what movie would you want to see for the first time? but it can't be your favorite movie. Okay. So 
So, like, if you could see a movie again for the first time without ever having memory of seeing it, what would it be? And it can't be your number one favorite movie because that's too easy. Um, I have an answer. Go ahead. Okay. Um, and so what, what I typically do is when I see a movie that I absolutely love, I won't see it for years. So that way it does feel like I'm watching it for the first time. That's a, that's a big brain move. Um, so the movie, that, the last movie that I saw that I absolutely loved, uh, because when I saw it, it just it was perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, was her? Ooh, that's good color. choice. Um, and so I I bought the movie. I have it. I still haven't seen it since the first time I saw it. When was that? 2013. Oh my god. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's exciting. It, it really left an impression, and like a lot of the scenes are burned into my brain. So it's going to take a few more years. The production but. design of that movie is superb. It it's is great. Um, so is the is the thought process of this uh, idea? Tyler is that I get to erase a movie from my mind and then watch in, it again for the theory, first time. Can I just erase a movie from my mind and make it kick an old school featuring Jamie Kennedy? I mean, and sure. Never I mean, watch it again. I mean, sure. Cause <laughs> I actually was thinking about you when I was thinking about this because oh, yeah? I thought your answer would be, uh, there will be blood. And I was just like, nah, that's no, that's too easy. No, no, no. It was, that, that's a great movie, but it's not like anything that like, I just like I like the the entire story of it. I like the character yeah. growth and everything, but it's not like anything that was like blew me. It didn't it didn't blow me. The more I watch it, the more I like it, it for that movie. Oh, so okay. it wasn't like the one that just like completely shocked me. Um, can I can I watch it the at, at the same age that I watched the first one? <clears throat> uh, no, it would have to be in your current age right gonna, now. I was gonna say The Lion King because I loved that as a kid. The Lion King. Yeah, I loved The Lion King as a kid. Okay. I, I would it would have been great to erase it from my memory and then rewatch it as a you know, 10 year old boy. Well, yeah, I, I, that's acceptable. But what about in your adult age? I mm, um, I don't know. Maybe the witch. That was my, I, I, that was a really, really great theater going experience for me. Man, I, I wish I, I saw that in theaters. That was so cool. It reminded me of, um, just a movie experience I had last night. I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit okay. later. What about you, Tyler? Uh, the matrix. Mm. definitely the matrix because i went i went into that movie not knowing what it was about i hadn't seen any trailers i only saw the movie poster but like even the movie poster doesn't really give anything like away like you just know like it's uh like cyberpunky kind of but like i mean so are a lot of movie trailers or not trailers uh posters so i would if i could see the matrix again without knowing what the matrix was about that would be awesome. Like in my own age right now, like if I hadn't seen the matrix right now and then after we were done recording and we went and saw the matrix, that would be just a delight. Oh, Johnny mnemonic, Johnny mnemonic. It's so cool. It's just like the matrix. (laughs) I thought that you were going to say Johnny mnemonic. (laughs) (laughs) Do Do you think you would appreciate that movie now? Like, do you think it's aged very well? What the matrix? Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, most definitely. That was uh, groundbreaking. I mean, 1999 was just a huge, huge uh, year for uh, filmmaking, and arguably it changed the way movies were made. Uh, and so I think The Matrix, it had such a complex concept that it would, it would just, like... I mean, I'm always thinking about the Matrix, but like if I could, (laughs) but if I could see, I mean, with the Matrix Four looming, it's been a little bit more on the mind than more. Uh, But uh, if uh, I could see the Matrix again, like it would just, I don't know. That that almost kind of even has me thinking: How would other movies that reference that movie go for you? Because that movie is so popular now, like the Red Pill, Blue Pill, the Follow the Follow the Rabbit. Uh, yeah. the bullet time like I, i'm wondering if you finally see that movie you're like this movie is fucking rip off it's, i know <laughs> that is that is funny as i eat it's kind of funny you bring that up Javi, because it, i feel like that way with the like the first time i watched hellraiser because i'm like i mean it's nothing new and then i'm i'm an idiot because as a child i'm like i didn't realize it's 1987 or whatever yeah. and i'm like eh, it's kind of brown kind of groundbreaking yeah yeah Wait. All right. Cool. Well. Uh. So. Anyways. So we, we got we got some uh we got some gab and chattering uh in our in and out of our systems. So let's get into streaming picks. 
Movies. Currently streaming live on the internet. Streaming in. I want my picks back. Stream. Streaming into it. All right, I don't know who has the fucking pick. Streaming. That story is streaming elsewhere. You found the pick. Thank you, Bruce Perky, for that from the Find Your Film Podcast. All right, so Pete, what streaming picks do you have for us this week? Oh, yeah, I need to have streaming picks. Uh, let's see. Let me consult my list here. Um, it's not like you're watching 500 movies. This year. <laughs> That's right. I'm a little behind now. last two weeks have been a little slow for me. I was really, really busy at work. Yeah. Um, so two, two that are streaming and one that's not streaming I want to talk about. Okay. Um, first one is a movie that has not been streaming for free since it was released, but it was uh, like a $10 rental or something, and I skipped it just because I didn't want to pay that much. Uh, 2020's Promising Young Woman, starring uh, Carrie Mulligan. Have you guys heard of this or seen this one? Yeah, 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 yeah. Is it streaming right now on HBO? HBO, yeah. Gotcha. HBO Max. Yeah. It's on my list. It's, uh, yeah, very. Uh, it was it was very good. I enjoyed it quite a bit. It's uh, basically this tale of a, a woman who's essentially on like this lifelong journey to get revenge on shitty men um, who are uh, essentially predatory. Mm. Um, and um, it un- it unfolds as the movie goes along, so I won't talk about too much about like the plot and stuff because it, it really like builds up the plot as it goes. Um, but Carrie Mulligan is great. I really like her. I've never seen her in anything that kind of blew my socks off acting-wise, and I think this was pretty good for that. I mean, she she it basically goes from multiple different uh, personalities at playing these characters as she's trying to lure uh, aggressive men into compromising situations and nightclubs and things. Um, so uh, very cool. Um, very like I watched it with uh, the love of my life, um, Brianna, and she was uh, together. We watched this and she's she's very much a, like a man hater. Um, <laughs> so she's the whole time. She's like, you fucking you men suck. You saw oh my God, you suck so bad. <laughs> I'm like, hey, I never did this. You know, I'm, I'm the good guy. And uh, Bo Burnham's in it. Uh, the guy that plays Schmidt from A uh, New Girl's in it for oh, really? a short time. Yeah, uh, Jack Johnson. Is that what his name is? Yeah. Oh, interesting. That's a cool name. Jake, I think. I'm no, sure. no, no. Jake Johnson is he is the guy, but he plays um, the main character. Schmidt is like the oh, the, oh, tall, oh, oh, the tall the uh, tall Jewish guy who used to be fat. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember his character's name, but I've seen him in a couple things, and he's good. And he's uh, he was um, a douchebag in this total doucher. Uh, who else is in this? Karen Gillum is in this, or maybe I think that's who it is. Or Karen Gillum, or anyways, I get a lot of those uh, actresses mixed up. Um, mm-hmm. They were on the like NBC sitcoms around the same time, but uh, it was good. It's worth a watch. Uh, very enjoyable. Promising Young Woman from 2020. Uh, it's a good revenge flick and not t- really gory, you know, at all. It's more of the the emotion, the emotional revenge. Uh, the other one's a classic, which I've watched many times and in my youth and I decided to give it a rewatch. It's probably been 15 years since I've watched it. It's 1986 little shop of horrors directed by Frank Oz. Awesome. Starring Rick Moranis and pretty much just Rick Moranis. He's, he's the dude. Yeah. Um, this is also streaming on HBO max and it is basically an adaptation of a, um, of a play. There was a 1960 version of the movie too, I believe black and white. Um, but the songs are so catchy, so fun, mm-hmm. and a little over the top in a lot of things. I mean, it's Frank Oz is almost like um, John Waters light, like without the offensive, you know, uh, sexual aspect of things. Yeah. Um, but it's it's still very fun. The animatronics to control the Audrey 2 are just fucking incredible. I know. I read some trivia that it, it took something like 25 people just to control the, the animatronic. At, Jesus. Yeah. And um, they they couldn't get it to look super real, like the movement of it to look very realistic. So they filmed it in like seventy five percent speed and then sped it up because they just couldn't they couldn't get the mo- mo- motion to go fast mm. enough or what they wanted because it's this mm-hmm. gigantic animatronic plant. Um, so very very good, super catchy stuff, and uh, a lot of a couple of people that were had breakout roles in that, like the, from the Ronettes, the the three singing trio of sisters or whatever that were walking around the street right. singing yeah. the soundtrack live as it was happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, my number one of all time character of um, Steve Martin as the dentist. Oh, yeah. And uh, probably one of my favorite characters of all time in any movie is just, <laughs> really? just oh, yeah. I fucking love that scene. Him and his interaction with Bill Murray when Bill, Mur- Bill Murray plays a masochist who goes, oh, yeah. go, goes to get his <laughs> teeth drilled at... at um, the uh, demented dentist 
played by um, uh, Steve Martin. Yeah. And Bill Murray's he's so excited and he's telling his story about how is he his first trip to the to the uh, dentist he gets drilled and then he gets a candy bar afterwards, so he has this like pain reward association with the dentist, and he's talking about how you know I I I went to the dentist Mr. Uh, Kremlin or whatever do you know him Yeah I go to him every Tuesday and Thursday, and <laughs> <laughs> he's really good really he he really loves this job man that guy loves this job. And the whole time he's just screaming, candy bar, candy bar, candy yeah. bar, candy bar, as he's getting drilled. Oh, it's so good. Great. So, so anyways, that's Little Shop of Horrors, 1986. And then uh, really quick, oh, on HBO Max, I watched Lamb last night uh, at the uh, Tower Theater in here in Sacramento. And it was uh, very slow burning. And I liked it quite a bit. It was uh, good, not great, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And um, it had more like a little bit, it felt it was more like a I was trying to like give a like a synopsis of like what genre it was to people before I saw it like um and I I, I was kind of expecting it to be more like a sci-fi and I feel like it was more like a folk tale mm. than than anything if I were to if you go into it thinking if it's more like a folk story and there's um there has to be some Icelandic lore behind it um but uh it was interesting I mean, you 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 the story is this, from the trailer which is not a spoiler is a a, a young couple I mean, not too young, maybe, you know, mid thirties, they're, um, sheep and ram farmers in Iceland way out on the, um, in the wilderness, middle of nowhere on the mm-hmm. side of a cliff, a mountainside. And one of their sheep give birth to a human baby with a, ra- a, le- a lamb's head. Oh, I already know where this movie's going. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> so you naturally think like, are they going to talk about it? You know, did the dad have sex with the father or the, the husband have sex with the sheep? And <laughs> how did this happen? And, <laughs> and there's mo- a little bit more story to it. Then there's some backstory they set up. The first 10 minutes is almost wordless. It's just beautiful landscape and cl- mm. close up shops of sheep and stuff. And it was very good. It was very good. Um, Bree didn't want to go watch it with me, so I watched it solo, and it was uh, very enjoyable. So, um, if oh. you if you can watch it, if you can find it, there's only two theaters in the entire Sacramento area that were playing it. So, um, watch it. It was, it was interesting. I it, you could wait though. You could wait to rent it at home. This movie was uh, advertised as a horror movie. Is it? Is there no. any horror? It is not a horror. Oh, that's that's disappointing. What, that's what Bree was saying too. She's like, I don't want to go see a horror movie about a sheep head baby, and uh, I was like, I don't think it's gonna be a horror. Huh. It definitely did not feel like a horror at all. It felt like more of like a family drama with fantastical um, folktale elements in it. Okay. And there's some funny parts and there's also some a couple gruesome parts and some scary parts, but it's not a horror. Okay. And the ending is worth not talking about, so. All right. Javier? Um, so I have two, a TV show and a movie. Sweet. Um, limited series, Midnight Mass. Have you guys seen that one yet? I'm two episodes in. Kids. Uh, I have my, my, uh, mother, uh, texted me, uh, one night and she was like, you gotta watch it. I was like, okay. The thing you see in the bushes in the first episode is cool. It's, it's awesome. Um, one of my f- uh, coworkers and friends recommended it to me. He wouldn't shut up about it and said like, you need to watch it before it gets spoiled for you. Mm. Um, mm. cause later on down the line, there are some things that just through our meme culture, I'm pretty sure. Is gonna get. Spoiled. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's meme fodder. Yeah. So, um, watch. He told me the first episode was kind of slow. I disagree. I thought it was so good, uh, really okay. captivating. And um, there's this mystery, like a very light mystery, kind of surrounding this character drama. And that was the thing that like got me super hooked into it. I love like mysteries that kind of dwell into the slightly paranormal mm-hmm. so I mean, this isn't like an anthology show or anything like it's no. a okay continuation it's done by the people that did haunting of hill house yes okay so i've seen some of those episodes just in passing while Bree's watching it on tv and it, it doesn't it doesn't have the same vibe but it's it's a it's a set story start to finish yeah um love the characters love the setting um and i really like how it ended um, especially with limited series, uh, sometimes the endings don't always hit. Sure, um, sure. I, I felt pretty good about this one. Uh, so definitely check it out. It's on Netflix. Uh, it's only seven episodes. They're an hour long. You can, so. You've convinced me. I, I almost I almost gave up on it after two episodes. Not that I didn't like it, but I was like, seven hours, that's a lot. So yes. if, the, if, the, if it sticks to the landing, I'll, I'll finish it. I'll, I'll say this. If you finish episode three and you're still not into it, you probably won't like 
the rest of it. Okay. Mm. Um, episode three, I think, is a pretty good indicator for most people if this is something they'll enjoy or not. Okay. Sweet. I stopped I stop before it got good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then a movie that I just saw for the first time is uh, Bong Joon-ho's film, uh, what is it, o- Okja? Okja, yeah. Okja. I saw that for the first time. Um, the week before that, I, I saw The Host and really enjoyed that one. Uh, so I decided to give that one a shot. And it was not what I was expecting. Like, mm. I expected it to be dark slightly. I didn't expect it to be as dark as it got. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you vegan now? I mean, honestly, <laughs> after the end of that, I'm like, Jesus, like I, I looked into it and I looked to see if Bong Joon-ho was vegan. Yeah. Uh, and, and he was during the filming of this mm. of this movie. He was? Yeah. He's not any longer? No, he's just vegetarian now. Well, Son of a bitch. Well, he, he'll eat meat occasionally. That son of a bitch. All uh, right. Don't cast don't cast your ire on Bong. That, that, I, I absolutely will. Okay. Yeah. Um, it Morally was, superior. <laughs> there was a lot of <laughs> conflicting tones with it. Like, they have a really silly character played by Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, really? Yeah. He was in this movie? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Have you guys seen this movie? No. Oh, you haven't seen... Oh, really? No, not yet. No. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sounds great, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal plays like a... I guess... Um, who's the... Uh, not Steve Irwin, the American guy who would, like, go around... Oh, Bear, Bear Grylls? No, Bear Grylls no, is British. No. Uh, American guy. Yeah. Um... Was yeah, he a coyote man or whatever it is? <laughs> no, no, no. I I forget his name, but um, he he plays like like a TV celebrity kind of character. Um, mm. but Jake Gyllenhaal is like really, like, like in what context though? Like a wilderness context? Or? Um, yeah. Um, a, a little more like um, a more reserved in terms of their actions. He's like um, a Steve like Irwin. a con- conservationist or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, but okay. um, he's a little more in the in the science realm. Um, you know, it's, he's like, if Bill Nye was a, was a nature freak. Okay. Interesting. Okay. That yeah. makes sense. And, and Sorry. I can like envision that high pitched voice that he does <laughs> like, Oh, hello. Um, <laughs> and it's really silly. And they pair that with like a really dark scene. And I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this. Cause like there's certain parts that feel very kiddie. Yeah. Like this is for kids. And then there are certain parts where it's like a child should never see this. Oh, <laughs> you know, interesting. I'm. Now, uh, yeah, I I might have to bump it up to the top of my list. Yeah, I mean, you dancer can. in the dark, you're off. No, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Bjork. Cool, uh, Okja. Where's yes. where's it? Okja. Uh, that's also on Netflix. Right I think, on. I think it was like always on Netflix. Is yeah, it, is yeah, it like, yeah. Is it, it a Netflix film? Um, yes, they they got the rights uh, for it. Okay, mm. cool. Okay, beautiful. Good recommendations. All right. Uh, well, my streaming pick, is, you know, we're in the October uh, Halloween season, so I figured I'd watch a uh, Halloween-y kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is uh, 2003's Freddy vs. Jason, Ooh. which is, I put it on thinking, like I, like, I would make fun of it, and I actually, thoroughly, I was thoroughly in, entertained mm-hmm. by this movie. Like, it really leans into the campiness of an idea of Freddy Krueger versus Jason Voorhees. Where's it streaming? Uh, it's streaming on HBO Max. Okay. And essentially, uh, Freddy Krueger and Jason Voor- uh, Freddy Krueger summons Jason from hell to do his bidding to get people afraid of Freddy Krueger again so Freddy Krueger can go into people's dreams and, you know, terrorize. Uh, is, is that how it works with him? If you just forget about Freddy, then he can't ever yeah, get in? Yeah, oh. that's they explain that in the movie, like, that since he has been forgotten, that he doesn't have any power over the people on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. So he gets Jason... Uh, it's kind of a little convoluted, uh, but it's a really entertaining movie. And then at the end, at the end of the movie, like there's like a showdown between Freddie and Jason and it's just, it's so bonkers and they really lean into how bonkers it is. And I really appreciated that. Uh, that's streaming on HBO max, which uh, is better. Freddie versus Jason or Jason goes to space. Uh, or whatever it's called. Oh, that I think that's Jason uh, X. Jason X yeah, where he has like the uh, the metal mask. Or uh, <laughs> Ernest Scared Stupid. <laughs> well, I haven't seen that it's one. The same, it's a weird trilogy. Wait, yeah. hold on. So, so real quick, Freddy Cougar got Jason, summoned him 
to make hit, to make other people scared of Fred. Like, would Jason go up to people and be like, "If you think I'm scary, Freddy Krueger, <laughs> like, what? Get what, a load of this guy." Yeah, it's a little convoluted, but it essentially what Freddy is doing is trying to get people scared again. Of warning, this is a comedy. It 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 really is. It really is a comedy. Like it, it's a horror comedy, and there's the famous uh, cornfield rave scene too, where I'm not aware of that scene. Oh, you're not aware of it? Oh, it's great. Can't it's wait great. though. Uh, so yeah, that's streaming on HBO Max. It's not as bad as uh, a lot of people pan it out to be. Like it's a really fun movie. On the Freddy, like on the Freddy. Um, or not Freddy, the Jason Voorhees like ranking movies. I've heard that that's kind of near the top. Yeah. The Halloween. Is it it's Halloween, right? No. Wait, what? what? Who's, who's, who's Michael Myers is Halloween? Michael Myers is Halloween. What's um, Friday, Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th that's is yeah, Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Not yeah. my wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's just like kind of like a dumb movie to put on. I don't know. Like I just thought it was funny. Uh, my second streaming pick though is a TV show on Netflix that everyone has been raving about. And of course I'm talking about squid game. No, <laughs> no we have to talk about squid game. Well, I would <laughs> love to talk about it a lot further, but all I'm going to say is I recommend it so, so much. I watched it in a whole day. Essentially, it's about a bunch of poor people who go to this island and uh, fight to the death over uh, billions of dollars. Uh, that's all. That's te- as technically far- only millions because. Uh, oh yeah, because of the currency exchange, exchange rate. It's yeah. ten thousand. Like when he he's like, "Hey, can I borrow ten thousand won?" That's just ten bucks. No, that's not just. It 10 is. Bucks. Brianna knows ten thousand won yeah, 10, is ten bucks. 10, ten bucks, yeah. That's why when he's got the banker, he's talking to the banker, and he's like, "Can I borrow ten thousand won?" He's oh, like, "Wow." He goes. And Brio is like, he just borrowed 10 bucks from that guy. What? Yeah, that was a power move too. <laughs> but um, uh, I would love to get more into this uh, this TV show because I there's a lot to talk about. There's Maybe. some serious character development that I was not expecting because I thought this was going to be kind of like a superficial movie, kind of like a Battle Royale mm-hmm. or, uh, you know... A, the other one hunger games hunger games yeah like but there's some serious serious character development that you don't expect the first like you said about uh you said midnight mass right yeah episode three once you get to episode three if you're not into it you probably won't get into it but the payoff if you do get invested in it is very good I uh I think maybe if if we can convince Joseph to finish that series and then we can do like an episode where we just spoil it I I would love to do that because Talk, talk about the last episode and everything. Yeah, it's it's. Because I had problems with the last episode. I did too. I did too. So it would be a it would be a a great gay old time to have a discussion on uh, Squid Game. And then finally, I have an anti-streaming pick. Oh, sweet! Can't One wait. of my first anti-streaming picks ever on this show, I believe. <laughs> and of course, I'm talking about the many the many saints of Newark. The prequel to The Sopranos. Oh, yeah, I forgot. You should uh, watch that movie. Yeah, I watched that movie, <laughs> and it is terrible. It is so disjointed, doesn't know what it's trying to say, and it's not even a prequel to Tony Soprano's Rise to Power. And I don't care if it was a... Uh, I don't care if it was a prequel to Tony's uh, Rise to Power, but it, I just wish they would have... I wish they would have just, it's either this or the other. It's like, are you going to talk about Tony Soprano or are you going to talk about the family of the Sopranos before Tony Soprano? Like, you know, pick so one or the other. That, that, what do make, you mean? It made sense. <laughs> and so um, I just wish that, it, I wish, that, gosh, like I, like I, like my mind is like spinning when I think about this movie because like, there's you a, liked the Sopranos. I, I really love the Sopranos and there's a lot of like, you know, like winks to like the show of the Sopranos, which I appreciated. And I think any fan of the Sopranos would appreciate. But at the same time though, as someone who has never seen the Sopranos and they go to watch this movie, mm-hmm. this would not be a good movie. Like I wish it, I I was hoping it would be like as good as like The Godfather or <laughs> or <laughs> Casino. I don't know why that's funny. I don't know why that garnishes a laugh. You know, Javier. this movie wasn't good. It was. It was no. It was, I was hoping it would be one of the top ten movies of all times. <laughs> the Godfather. I. That's what I was expecting. I like. I was expecting it was gonna be. <laughs> 
I, that, that's not funny. That, I don't know why that's funny. You know, I watched this Netflix movie and it was nothing like this. <laughs> masterpiece like I, I thought it was to I, be like like i thought it was gonna be because the sopranos is a is a master class in uh, mafia television so i was thinking oh so this is gonna be like kind of like casino or uh, goodfellas or something like that but just like with the sopranos but instead it was just really disjointed and it didn't have like any sort of like direction on what it was trying to do so uh if you that wa- is one big pile of shit yeah, yeah. So if you want to check out The Many Saints of Newark, like, you can check it out. But, like, if you're not a Sopranos fan, like, Who you... the fuck cares? Yeah. You, you won't... You really won't get, like, some of the nuances. I'm so. glad you I'm glad you mentioned that, though, because, like, I haven't seen any of The Sopranos, but I thought it might be good just to, like, watch that as a wrap-up, even though, like... El Camino. If you if you watched El Camino and didn't watch Breaking Bad, you like it's not you wouldn't you get gonna, it. Yeah, you wouldn't get any of it. So you wouldn't I get it. I was like on the fence, like oh maybe I can watch this, but I've heard nothing but bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's. I was really hoping it could be just like a standalone movie, even if you didn't watch The Sopranos. Like it would just be a good mafia movie, but mm-hmm. it wasn't. It, it just fell flat. And that's, I wonder if everyone else who had something negative to say just had ridiculously high expectations, though. <laughs> I. <laughs> Well, I mean, I was really hoping it would be like Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> like, like, what if you went in with the same expectations of like Freddy versus Jason? Do you think you would have been like, it's okay? Uh, <laughs> even no, I mean, like, I mean, after watching like you know a plethora of mafia movies, like this doesn't even rank in like the top like twenty. Thanks, George Bush. Yeah, really. <laughs> thanks, George Bush. So for we know our it's society. not a B. <laughs> it's not a uh, B. No, it's a it's a D plus. Uh, the Glob. <laughs> What's as good as The Glob? <laughs> no, that's good. Uh, but yeah, that's my streaming picks for this weekend, anti-streaming pick. Okay, uh, fair enough. So let's uh, wrap this uh, episode up. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Middle Class Film Class. Join us next week as we get into our movie of the week, Hellraiser from Tyler. Yes. Send us an email, mcfcpodcast at gmail.com. Javier, what's our our Twitter? Uh, that's going to be middle class from class. Yeah, middle class film class. Oh, that's, that's, no, that's our Instagram. That's our Instagram. Oh, yeah. so I think sorry. it's MCFC podcast it's at Twitter at, or whatever. At podcast MCFC for Twitter. Oh, okay. And then uh, follow us on Instagram at middle class film class. And also please leave us a voicemail at 209-730-6010. All right. We'll see you next time. See ya. Goodbye. I was hoping it would be one of the top 10 movies of all times, <laughs> The Godfather. I That's what I was expecting. <laughs>